2: Oh, look at that. I knew something about a punk band. Just some old fat <laughs> drunk dudes jumping up and down.
3: <laughs> this tree just planted itself
2: right on top of the cement. I did watch a YouTube video today. My dad mashed
4: potato of, of Chris State. Grava. Aaron doesn't know who Chris <laughs> is. It's so good. <laughs> That's great. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Punk Tree. This is Mike, and I'm here with Jesse. How you doing? And Aaron. Good day, everybody. And we are joined uh, by uh, a guest
0: we're really excited about.
4: We're joined by Aaron Pendergast uh, from The Blasting Room film. We're super stoked. Thank you so much for being here with us.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
4: Um, And as we always do, let's kick it off just with uh, the the music that's been kind of rolling lately. Um, I don't know who wants to start, uh, but... We usually do this, Aaron, and, and hopefully we can hear from you as well. Uh, Jesse, I don't know if you jump in. Why don't you do it? Let's hear what Jesse's been listening to. Uh,
2: one thing was, uh, it was a song that you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, um, but I don't know if we ended up really playing or anything. You were excited it was about to come out, and it was a single uh, that was put out by Paris Jackson that features Andy Hole and they uh, they each sing a couple of verses of the song, and they just sound really, really incredible together. So that was... a. Uh, Uh, one thing and then the other thing i'm listening to is uh waking giants by life in your way it's just a record that came out a long time ago that i just somehow missed off of solid state records and i literally don't know how i missed it but i've been listening to it a lot and i really like it
4: Awesome, man. How about you, Mike? Um, I've I just got in the mail. I ordered myself a treat uh before Christmas and it was the four LP book from right away Great Captain. Andy Hole's getting double shout out here, I guess. Ooh. Uh but I just got it like two days ago and I opened it and it was this beautiful work of art. Um it's super well curated and designed. I geek out on that quite a bit. Um and so I've just like I think since I got it, I've listened to each one once, um, like three days in a row. And so it's, it's beautiful. I, I threw out like a post about it, like opening it and looking through the booklet. Um, pretty cool.
1: After I ate, I went outside to catch my air and to walk off my drink. And I rolled tobacco and watched as the smoke flowed in magically like you left me. Well, I made a firm fist and peace Thought it brilliant To throw my hand into the door I knew I would have to admit That I was wrong I decided to not
4: wolf what about
3: you oh man so uh yesterday no effects released a song called fuck euphemisms and i've listened to that song i think uh man probably six or seven times um and it's just great kind of has the classic no effects sound um and Fat mike's witty lyrics he talks about uh his um his life about, as a yeah i don't exactly know how to say because he talks about being a transvestite and uh, people thinking that he is doing it for a publicity stunt or he's a poser um
2: i do not but, think he is a poser
1: i walked into the eagle and someone called me sis i said i'm not a sis i'm a sissy should i call you mister or a miss i said i'm actually transvest but before i got to tight, the police erupted into my first gender Pronoun bar fight. They said I was a rock star, dressed the last to be queer. I said my gender is fluid, but that's how I like my beard.
3: Yeah, I think people think that because he's he's kind of a lazy cross dresser. I mean, he doesn't shave his beard. Uh, <laughs> he pretty much just throws on a nighty and, you know, that's
2: that. But I think that's right, but Fat Mike. Yeah, he comes by an artist That's not an act.
4: Yeah. That's no. him. <laughs> and do you remember the last time we saw him, Aaron? We, we were at, I think it was House of Blues here yeah. in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And we were right up front, and he was wearing a leather skirt. A kilt. His, it was a kilt. It was definitely a kilt. It was a, a kilt. kilt, you're right. It was, a, it was like <laughs> a small kilt. It was like a short kilt. But I was like front and center, and i and looking up, and I'm always singing, and uh, his balls are just out. Oh,
3: <laughs> it wasn't just that. I'm, I'm pretty sure he looked straight in my eyes and squatted down... So that they would, uh, they would expose themselves. To is this, the is whole this something that
2: you uh, that you've uh, experienced a little bit yourself, Aaron? You see to I see the look on your face. Did you have an experience with Fat Mike like that?
0: No, no, I've not uh, experienced <laughs> Fat Mike yet, unfortunately. Hopefully, one day. We're not making uh, you
2: uncomfortable, are we?
0: Not <laughs> at is all. It's
3: gonna get a lot heavier than this. <laughs> uh,
0: well, uh, what about you,
2: uh, Aaron? Uh, what's what? What have you been listening to uh, recently?
0: So I, um, one of the it's a really cool EP called Immigrant Punk by a band called Generals of Monrovia, and I, uh, I didn't know it was a Blasting Room record when I bought it, and then I was looking at the notes and it said, you know, mastered at the Blasting Room, and I'm like, of course it was. Why? Why wouldn't it be?
3: It's a gift to
0: Another one, um, Redefining Home by a band called Little Teeth. So they're a German band, um, but their front man is from Fort Collins, where I grew up. We actually went to school together. And so he made a new band when he went to Germany. And it's fucking incredible. Like, it's such a good record. So it's kind of um, like a, it's got kind of like a drag the river kind of sound. Corey always has, but this has got a little bit more of a rock vibe than a country vibe. Um, And I'm a big, big fan of it.
1: Light crawls slowly through a door Like some criminal animal chewing its way through the nails and the boards And if all was fair in love and war, honey, let me settle scores Cause I ain't sleeping right Honey, I can't sleep
4: tonight. Hey, one thing we always do. One thing we always do is, for some reason, we always are drinking while we're together. <laughs> I think we're probably also often drinking when we're not together. Yep. Um, and so it'd be cool if you just whip it, whip it around real quick and and hit up what everybody's drinking.
2: I've got a. I've got a. Um... a uh, a mythic worlds by modern times. It's a hazy galaxy IPA um, and modern times is San Diego local. And this is one of their seasonal releases. What did you got Aaron?
3: Do you drink anything not
2: made by modern times? Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm almost always drinking Nelson. Well, that's funny. You say that
3: that's like 25% of the time. It's funny. You say that
2: Jesse, because
4: I slide this out of my, my, my punk tree koozie and I am drinking an Alpine Nelson right now it's it is it's delicious it's
2: flawless what about you uh both aaron's i don't even both of you uh, try to do it at the same time
3: <laughs> at the same time okay one two no uh <laughs> guest, aaron pendergrass please go first
0: okay so i'm drinking a uh, it's a kawa bunga which kawa is uh coffee in rwandan so it's a double coffee stout with uh, made with rwandan coffee uh from a local brewer in denver called novel strand so, and that's
4: a black owned brewery correct
0: that's correct. Yeah, it's a cool spot. We uh, found discovered them, I guess, during the pandemic situation when they were like, here's some great local places you can support. My wife and I heard about them, checked them out and they they just do an amazing beer. So if you're ever in Denver, check out Novel Strand. It's cool. Very, very nice. cool.
3: Yeah, I think um, if I ever leave San Diego, my wife and I try to go to beer places in Colorado and Portland or like the two places that are kind of our favorites.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of really good breweries here. And sadly, I'm not sure a lot of them will survive all of this, but we'll see. There's new ones popping up every day. So I'm sure we'll have no shortage of good beer here despite that.
2: Yeah. What Um, have you got,
3: Aaron? So I'm still working on the pack that my sister-in-law gave me for Christmas. And this is another Urban Roots brew called Kind for Nothing. It is an unfiltered IPA. And it's quite good.
4: I have gathered that you basically drink Urban Roots beer and listen to Death by Stereo, and that's it. That's like who Uh, who you are. And and you work out. And you work out. Okay, I
3: work out. out, I drink Urban Roots, Scrimshaw Pilsner, and I listen to Death by Stereo.
2: And you don't like Authority.
3: Fuck, Authority, man. (laughs) Final majority. I don't even think that was Aaron in a nutshell.
2: Whatever's smaller than a nutshell, that was Aaron in it.
4: You know, I, I remember being a kid in the 90s in a, in a punk band in my little hometown in the middle of nowhere. And we, we grew up listening to a little bit of Black Flag and Descendants and all. And the Blasting Room was like, it was almost like the secret Mecca in the middle of, like Fort Collins was not like a place we all knew about. Fort Collins was like some faraway land. A lot of us had never been a couple hundred miles away from home before and it was like the dream for every kid in a punk band in the 90s like we're gonna record at the blasting room someday um so you grew up in the town it sounds like yes um
0: could you tell us just about like that scene and the vibe happening around there? yeah for sure i mean it's uh so i grew up actually literally like five miles from the studio um we moved there in 1988 so uh studio opened in 95 so i was um Still a kid when it opened, but it was one of those things by, you know, fourth or fifth grade, I had my first punk record by the time I was in high school, I knew the Blasting Room like that had been, you know, circulated among my friends and we knew it was there. And so there was a a ska band at my high school called the Unsinkable Molly Brown that was so excited because they recorded their EP there. And so it just, it was kind of that thing you always knew Blasting Room was in Colorado. And then we just have a really vibrant local scene uh, to the point where growing up listening to the radio here, you'd hear these bands that I, in my mind, were national acts only to find out, oh, that's a that's Colorado band. They just promote them so much here that you think everybody's heard of them, you know? So it's it's just been a really cool, vibrant music scene my whole life uh, being in Colorado. And uh, particularly Fort Collins is just kind of a, being a college town and everything, there's a lot of right, live music right. and stuff going on, so.
4: Yeah, and there was like an affinity, just we... we... Jesse grew up in the San Francisco Bay area and Aaron and I are both from Southern California. And so there, there was kind of the West coast punk scene and in Southern California that turned into like, you know, kind of the hardcore post hardcore thing came out of Southern California quite a bit. Um, But it seemed like every band was not recording in LA, which was this weird thing. They were all like disappearing and going off to these like places like Fort Collins, like the blasting room. And, and slowly over time, it was like bands that you liked, when they got their contract, their next record seemed to come out of the blasting room. Like once, once they had enough money to go somewhere real, boom, you'd see it. Or at least it would get mastered there or something would happen. Um, so I, I'd love to hear just kind of like how that scene changed or grew um, during that time like, cause bigger and bigger bands are wanting to be there more and more is coming out. I'm sure it affected the shows and the scene of live music as well intensely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was something, you know, we, we had a good kind of small venue in Fort Collins that you'd see a lot of bands play at, but it was always kind of surprising the bands that would play this theater in Fort Collins. Like you would not expect, you know, like a, somebody like real big fish in the nineties who could easily sell out like one of the bigger venues, like the Ogden or the, the, um, gothic or something down in denver to come up to fort collins and play the aggie is like why are they here you know it's like a 600 head venue but um it really did you know you would see these kind of bigger acts come through either come through colorado just in general where maybe they might not have before um or you know play a couple shows in colorado where oh this you know one night we're down in the springs and the next night we're up in fort collins or we're in boulder and denver or you know, whatever it was. So it seemed like um, a lot of bands really liked coming to Colorado and playing shows in Colorado and kind of hanging out here. Uh, anymore, you can blame the, the legal pot, but before it was like, you know, <laughs> I think it was the scene that everybody was excited about. Yeah.
3: Um, can we take a, s- a step back and uh, can you just tell us how the blast Room came to be? Because it's not a coincidence that all these bands want to just Go to Fort Collins to this small studio. Um, there is a reason for it. You tell us like how the uh, blasting room, yeah, just developed or how it landed there.
0: Yeah, for sure. So they um, descendants had been touring, uh, and then you know Milo left to to go to college. So they formed all, and they had been living in California, and it was too expensive, too crowded. All the this stuff you hear about California, L.A. area. So they moved back to Missouri um, because Bill's dad had a house there that they could live in rent free. And so they were saving some money living there, but it wasn't, it was too small, you know, so they were trying to figure out they got their advance um, for pummel. I think it was um, whichever all record that they got signed on. Um, They got that advanced and they said, well, we want to build a studio, but LA is too big. And, Missouri's too small, whatever town in Missouri they were living in. Um, So then they had toured through Fort Collins to play shows. So it kind of, the idea was floated. What about Fort Collins? Uh, So they came out here, found a, a, it was actually like a furniture warehouse that had a a small room that uh, the woman who owned the place would rent out for bands to practice in. So they went in and like leased that part of the building Cause this museum, this like car museum had just moved out of the building. So it was just this big open empty room. And so they leased that room to uh, for like a practice space to build a studio and they had nowhere to live, so they just lived in that space too and slept on the floor for the first couple of years. So
1: savior. Yeah. don't care what you don't do.
4: So you growing up there, loving the music, listening to the music, that's all fine. But how do you come into the picture here as, as a filmmaker, a storyteller? Where do you get
0: connected? That is a great question. And I'll try to not go on for two hours about it. No, <laughs> oh, go for I it. I can talk at length. <laughs> um, essentially, I, um, I've done a couple, I've done a, probably a dozen short films and um, a couple of feature documentaries that had been moderately successful so I was to a point where I felt like I had some clout to throw around not much but more than I had had before doing two features so um, I was trying to figure out what to do for my next movie and the two that I'd worked on previously I had been um, a uh, producer editor and my friend was the producer director Um, and we our second film we pretty much shot just the two of us our first one we had a crew of four and Uh, both movies we had more more help in post-production but i wanted to kind of do my own movie and direct something in a feature format i'd done directing for shorts but not not a full-length film like this so i was trying to figure out what to do like what to make as a film and i was trying to take a page out of some other filmmakers i knew out of their books who'd had success which was um my former partner justin with his projects they were south dakota stories he was from south dakota Uh, they were like western stories and he grew up on a ranch and knew how to ride horses so he was part of that community so he automatically had some uh another like a more respect and people were like trusted him a little bit more because he was a local kid and because he was from that scene the other thing i wanted to do was another project i tried to make um somebody else came in with a similar idea but a bigger budget and was able to basically beat me to the punch which is kind of inevitable as an independent filmmaker but still a bummer so I wanted to do something where I could kind of almost guarantee nobody else would come in and and have the same story that I had and so part of that was partnering with you know whoever it was whose story we were going to tell so I was uh sitting at home one night I think my wife was on a work trip so I was just like bored watching Netflix and turned on Sound City from Dave Grohl and I got like two thirds of the way through. And then when he just starts inviting all his like famous friends over to make a record, I was kind of like, I don't know if I care anymore. Like this, there's that disconnect suddenly of this isn't like something that a normal person would experience anymore. Right. Right. Um, so then it like ended and I was like pacing around my place and I'm like, what? There's gotta be like a punk rock version of this story that hasn't been told or that could be told that could be more interesting. And then that that like spark hit in the back of my brain where I was like, the Blaster Room's in Fort Collins. like You could just drive up to Fort Collins because I, I live down in Denver now, so I'm about an hour away. Um, so then it just, that kind of is where it was born. Um, so I started developing the idea, reached out to the studio. Um, they weren't interested. <laughs> what? <laughs> so They didn't give me a no though, which was important. Uh, cause if they just said, no, I would have stopped, but since they didn't say no, they just said, oh, we don't really know we're on the fence. I kind of just kept going with it to see if we could make it happen. Um, and ended up getting connected through, uh, John Snodgrass from armchair Martian drag the river. Um, I met him at a show said, you know, if, if this thing happens, you're on my list of people we want to talk to. And then he got all my info and said, hang on, dude, I, I know these guys will, we'll figure this out. Just, uh you know, I'll, I'll be in touch. So about a month later, he calls me up and sends me this guy, Kevin Kirchner's contact info. And Kevin's been the unofficial official studio videographer for almost the last 20 years. So he has tons of footage of pretty much everybody who's come through that studio Wow. on piles and piles of hard wow, drives wow. and DV tape and whatever other format you could think of. So he and I started talking and he kind of said, yeah, that's, how things go with Bill and Jason, you get three no's before you get a yes. So, you were right to not stop kind of plugging away at this thing. And uh, so he we, he and I partnered up, and with the 25th anniversary show in 2019, that was kind of the, the thing we needed to get kind of convince Bill finally that this is the right time to do this. So, right, yeah. And he's all warm and fuzzy now, right? I mean,
2: oh.
4: <laughs> he's the new Bill Stevenson, he's he's, he's so gentle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So He's... Well, and the funniest thing was when I had to pitch this thing to him, because I was on the, I had the, I was under the impression he'd already said, "Yeah, let's do it." And then they, <laughs> and then this, Jonathan from the studio called me up and said, "Hey, we're making, we're going to Odell Brewing to brew the 25th anniversary beer for the yes. show. Uh, if you guys want to come shoot, you know, footage of that or whatever, and you can hang out." And so we get there, and of course they're like, "Oh, here's your sticker. You drink free." while you're here since you're here for the brewing process so i'm here just you know pounding beers with the rest of the guys all morning and yeah. then bill shows up and we sit down for lunch after having been drinking beers for 2 hours and <laughs> and then uh kevin or somebody's like all right well aaron why don't you uh, pitch the movie to bill see what he thinks and i'm like what <laughs> i'm in no no mental state to pitch a movie to bill stevenson right now <laughs>
4: But it but it seems fitting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, no, like, it does seem fitting. <laughs> so it really worked out. I mean, it was it was good. Like I somehow got out a coherent concept of what I was trying to do. And uh, he expressed, you know, he said that his biggest issue was filmage, which he didn't not like filmage. Um, and Kevin actually was involved with that a little bit as well. Um, was that they focused on him too much? And he was like, I don't want this to be like about me. I want it to be about the studio and the bands. And like, that's my one like caveat to doing this is don't make it about me. And then of course we interview him and he's the best fucking interview I've ever had. And I'm like, (laughs) how can we not make it about you? (laughs) But.
4: Yeah. I mean, we've been able to see the trailer. Um, and we'll share that out as well for, for some of our listeners to, to check out, um, but it is, it's not just a, a retro vintage footage film. Like it is like hearing, hearing all these artists now, at least that's how it comes across in the trailer. And it's kind of fascinating because it's weird. Like we, we, we just had a Jake Kylie on from strung out and, and we're talking like, man, the scene is like, it's like 30 years now. Like, like it's not, no, nobody's like a little kid anymore. Um, people are like old, old and right. grayed out. And so, that kind of vibe comes out even in the trailer that there's like a deep history, lots of experience crossover careers have kind of been made and maybe, maybe lost. Um, and that place has been at the center of a lot of that. So how, how was that experience for you? Just like the, the history of it and hearing, hearing guys who like, so I, I was looking through kind of the discography of the studio and it's like some of these bands like have worked there with like a 20 year gap in the middle, like, like huge, you know, I imagine things are really different even from early nineties projects, mid nineties projects till now. Um, But what was that like? All the history that you experienced?
0: I mean, it's, it's, um, it's something else. And I think it's interesting with this film is usually these studio docs, the studio's not still functioning. So we are kind of in this space of the studio is still an operating business. People are still coming there recording to your point. A lot of these bands have been around for a long time. So to see kind of the, One, like the evolution of the bands and having them being able to talk about what it's like if they've come back to make multiple records like Good Riddance or Kamiri or uh, Rise Against who've been there, you know, a dozen times each, um, hearing about how they've grown and evolved and how they've learned different things, how Bill's grown and evolved as a player by watching other musicians play and things. It's really, um, it's pretty cool just to kind of like understand what was going on and And then having that kind of parallel of the studio kind of growing up as I was growing up in the scene too and kind of all these records and bands kind of becoming what they were on that kind of same trajectory is is pretty cool.
2: I don't want to take too far of a tangent off of the film because I want to hear a bit more about what it was like putting it together. But um, as you mentioned, some of these bands that came through there and records you know coming out of there and and now you dug so deep into the history of it for the film. Do you have like a, f- a favorite record that was produced at the Blasting Room? Can we can we get into that little conversation? Is there something uh, that sticks out to you as like your favorite?
0: I do. Yeah, my uh probably my favorite is uh the Atari's "Look Forward to Failure" EP. There
2: we go. Yeah, man, Mike, Mike knows that too.
4: <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that that I, I accidentally saw them in like 1990. I don't know what. And that that had that was that had just come out, and they were like added late to an MXPX tour, I believe, to get it out. And I walked away with it because it was like you know five bucks or whatever, and it was like I've got five dollars left. What else can I buy at the merch table? And on the way home, it was like, what? Like who are (laughs) these guys? This is cool.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that was so that was my first. um, I'd heard about the studio, but I didn't know like what it was really. And then a friend of mine. We were listening to that ep and you know i was talking about how much i loved it and he's like yeah they recorded that right here in fort collins and i was like you're a fucking liar they didn't record that in fort collins <laughs> you yeah. know and then pulled out the liner notes and sure enough it was recorded right there so um and but i you, mean you have them
4: on right like is, is chris Rowe? is the did, did you chris get this is in the film?
0: supposed to be in the film we okay. haven't gotten him yet but i'm, I'm really hoping we do because it's it really is i think um for me personally, he's the most important person for me to do just because I feel like I probably would not have made that connection when I did, if not for his band. So um, granted, like down the right, uh, excuse me, down the road, I might have run across somebody else that made me say, oh, that was for Collins and could have been a completely different story. But um, yeah, yeah it's, to me, I'm like, I just really would like to have him for that connection.
4: Let's make it happen. Chris Rowe, yeah. All right, we need to do the interview, up. man. We need this. We need to get this film done so we can all watch it.
2: Right. <laughs> You're the last piece to the puzzle.
4: <laughs> we will watch your Instagram live streams. I promise.
0: <laughs> no, he's he's not quite the last piece. There's still a few. Uh, COVID has prevented a lot yeah. of the interviews we needed from happening. Yeah, yeah. So we've been trying to pick those up, and but it's tough. So we're we're figuring it out like everyone else as we go.
4: So as you're doing those interviews, though, because it, it looks like a pretty big list. Um, mm-hmm. and, and if listeners want to check it out, they can go to to your website. Um, I don't know if you want to call that out here.
2: We'll put it in the show notes, but I think it's um, blastingroomfilm.com, no?
4: Yep, that's it. Awesome. Yeah, you, know? and you can go and there's a list of kind of bands that you have interviewed or that are going to be a part of it. Um, and that it's a pretty significant list. And it's kind <laughs> of like a, the last 25 years. All hall of fame almost of punk rock like it, it really kind of reads like that um who were some of the interviews or or you know dude you talk to that just just captured you like like is there a story or two that come out of this and don't
0: give away too much because we want people to see the film but right um i mean really uh i mean we kind of talked about it but with bill he's such a like like there are definitely times during his interview where he would say things and you just like feel better about life. And you're just like, Oh, yeah. Those that's kind like, of
2: people are the best. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's just it makes you feel like I don't know, like some of the things he would say, you just feel like empowered and like, Oh yeah, I unapologetically love the things I love and fuck you otherwise. <laughs> like, you know, it's like that kind of moment where you're just like, you know, it's it's super cool. Um and then uh like Brent, Brent love day from Reno Divorce was just super nice, super accommodating. It really excited to be in the film. Um, so it was really fun working with him. Uh the rise against guys were were great. Tim and Zach were both fun. Mm-hmm. Zach is great. That bit at the end of the trailer where he asks if they can cuss, it was like <laughs> you know, okay. right after he asked that, it was like every other word. Fantastic. <laughs> you
2: should have tried to say no and see what he would have done. Right. I... Watch Watching struggle the rest of the interview. Well, I don't have anything to say then. <laughs> I thought vegans didn't
3: cuss. Right.
2: I don't Not think that's true at of... all. No.
4: <laughs> I think it's the opposite. They have to. It's a nutrient deficiency that leads to it.
3: They're <laughs> lacking in B vitamins.
0: Oh, but I think uh two, just like the the other thing that I think really surprised me was the the common threads from what everyone was saying, which was uh, really that, you know, it's an extension of the punk rock scene as a whole, but that it really is about the community that's been created around the studio and that kind of family vibe they have at the studio really makes for great records. So, um, and I think, and everyone kind of says that on their own without us having to, you know, work for it. So I think there's definitely that, um, something about that I think makes for a better experience for the, the band for the engineers and uh, ultimately for the listeners when they get to the record.
1: I'll tell you stories of a planet time.
4: I know you, you kind of started this project and we're working on it pretty close to when hypercafium Spasinate came out. Like it wasn't too far apart. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that record is, is almost, maybe it's a legacy record when it all comes down to it. We'll, we'll see, but it, it has this feeling of exactly that. And I think to, to people who are on the outside of, of, of the punk world, we look like a bunch of assholes who play music that's messy and noisy and are into messing stuff up and being crude and, and they don't necessarily understand that it's, it's sort of like a a processing mode. Like it's, it's like a way that we deal with the world. Um, and I feel like hypercafium spazinate really captures that in this very mature way of like, and we have to reconcile our lives here. Like, lots has happened. Here we are. It's all about community. And so I, I that feels a lot like what you're saying Bill kind of exuded when you were working with him.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that that is a great way to sum it up. And and it really is, you know, that really is the the vibe of punk rock, right? And I know a lot of people don't get that. You know, my dad's obviously not a fan of punk rock at all. Um, so was a little disappointed when that was what I was jamming to. But Um, I think like even he's kind of started to understand like what that, you know, what that means for the people on the scene and and how important it is for people who grew up with punk or, you know, were interested in it, that it it was, it was kind of messy and loud and whatever, but there is a point to it, you know, (laughs) there was something, something about it's helping you process an emotion or deal with something or, you know. You said
2: that common thread among like a lot of the the different interviews and and folks that were involved was, was that it was such a, a community sort of a thing did you feel like finally after that conversation you had with bill uh at uh, odell after after some libations uh did you feel like you you got to be a big part of that community as you as you uh started working there
0: i think it's yes i've gotten to that point i, I wasn't well i shouldn't say that at first I think at first I kind of was just with like John Snodgrass is like the nicest human you'll ever meet. And so he immediately was just like, you know, it it just, uh, I don't know, my biggest fan, biggest supporter would reach out, see how things were going, you know. Um, And then, yeah, once I kind of, once the studio got to know me, I think they warmed up a little bit. Bill's kind of used to people using him for stuff or trying to use him for stuff. And so there's that level of concern with who do we let in, who do we give access to you know um and so it it took a little while to build that up with him but um but yeah i think we're i think we're getting there um jason in particular uh he was fun the first few times he just kind of looked at me like who is this you know like he didn't know who i was yet and then i just, just remember i came
2: be here. right yeah
0: he's like who invited that guy i don't know if i know that guy um and then there was i just remember one day i went in and he saw him and he's like oh hey man how's it going what have you been up to like just You know, it was like we'd known each other for 20 years, like, (laughs) but it just took him that, you know, that little, like, however long to decide I was okay or whatever. So did, did you get to shoot a lot while they were, while they're working? Like,
4: were you there watching them while they were actually working with clients?
0: Yes. So we, we were in the studio with uh, Rise Against at the beginning of 2020 when they were working on their new record. um, And a little bit at the end of 2020 or 2019, Um, we were just in the studio with Teenage Bottle Rocket in November uh, we got to hang out with um uh Reno divorce for a live session, uh trying to remember who else after the fall last last December. Um so yeah, we've been able to to hang out for a few things. Um descendants are working on some new stuff, so we've been shooting some of that. Um the good news uh with my with Kevin working on this, he lives in Fort Collins and he's like a mile from the studio. So if something comes up, he can just jam over there and shoot stuff, and then I don't have to, you know cut out of work and run up to Fort Collins to get things. It is nice that it's that close and I could do that if I want to, but if for any reason I can't, like he can probably cover it. So it's been nice having somebody like right there. And that's another reason I really liked this project being on a tight budget, being able to just go to the studio, whenever something happens is really nice. Is Jason Livermore an actual wizard? You know, he just might be, I, that guy, I mean, I don't know how he does what he does just watching him work. I'm just like, I don't, I don't get this, but I can hear that it's doing something. I just don't know what it is you're doing when you do whatever you do. Um, and then just the amount of stuff he cranks out is crazy. Like,
4: yeah. Cause he, he's gotta be the most sought after name in punk music or, or right up there. Like if you go to him, your record will sound great. Like you will make a great sounding record But he works with some artists like I see his name come up on some albums where I'm like, really, like he had time to work on that with you guys like it doesn't I would think that you guys would be a little bit of a small act for him.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think some of it, too, especially with a lot of the local bands, uh, they really try to work with them and help them out and cut some deals because they they want to see them succeed, you know, and they know, well, they don't have the rise against budgets, but one day they might. So, you know, we can. Why not? do a little bit of extra work or why not if jason has some downtime you know master this ep for this local band or something you know oh my
4: gosh i can't imagine i can't imagine (laughs) being a local band and they're like oh you know what jason's gonna come in on saturday for a little bit and uh, master your record for (laughs) you
2: (laughs) (laughs) take my money
4: Uh, One of the things our show's about, um, we really touched on part of it, which is we we, we wrestle with this idea of, did we listen to punk rock music because of who we were, or are we who we are because we listened to this music for so long? Um, And the other piece is just, here we are all these years later, and the, the genre has taken all these twists and turns, and that's the punk tree, is like all these branches. The Blaster Room actually has really held the trunk. (laughs) like really really held on to that middle big post the foundation of it all which is great Um, but in your time on your own listening to music and being a fan but also your experience there uh, are there places you you see kind of like some newness or some different kind of angles that are being taken at all
0: it's um i mean it's interesting the the thing with this doc is we're really focused on uh, kind of the studio past, present, future, and then by proximity, the music industry past, present, future, and how that's changing and evolving and how that affects bands. And the thing that, um, the trend that they're seeing at the studio is smaller budgets, fewer full lengths, a lot of singles, a lot of VPs, um, largely due to, excuse me, largely due to um, the lack of funds, but also uh, just because of how people consume their music. And for me, it's, it's really disappointing because I'm the kind of person who sits down and listens to a record all the way through, right? Like it's not like singles. It's, yeah. Just like beginning <laughs> to end. And then the next thing. So this idea of not having that experience is foreign to me. And I don't like if that's where it's going. So, but it's, it's hard to say. I mean, they're you know, the blasting room is not the most expensive studio you can make a record at, but it's by far not the cheapest either. So, are there enough bands to keep it sustainable? And, you know, is it something that um, we're going to see, you know, how will they change and evolve? And I mean, they're not, they're not struggling are you know, every year they get more business than the year before. So they're still, they're still making money, but I don't know what like the end of that looks like. Um, and again, with a lot of these bands, like you said, they've had big gaps between records or, they've been recording for so long. Like my buddy, when I showed him a, a still from our interview with uh, Tim from Rise Against, he's like, dude, he's looking old. <laughs> that so are you. Happens, <laughs> yeah, right. oh <laughs> um, But, you know, that's, I, I do wonder when those, you know, when the Rise Against and the Good Riddances and all those bands stop making records, what does that mean for a place like The Blasting Room? So, uh, but I do think we'll see you know, punk rock hasn't gone away since it started. Like it's always been there, whether it's been in the zeitgeist or not, it's been around. And so I think um, when you look at it, it's going to change and evolve. And people like us, when, you know, punk comes back in the 2020s, we're going to be like, that's not punk rock because it's not what we're used to, you know, but um, I think, I mean, and that means if it, you know, hits the mainstream again, but I think it, it, you know, it's something it needs to do if it's going to stay relevant. and i mean there's some cool like there's some cool stuff coming out from bands that like telethon from wisconsin do you guys know those guys no. um, oh uh grand God, spontanean is probably one of the best fucking records ever made and but then their net, their stuff after that is very like pop rock kind of not punk and i'm like what what happened like did you guys just think like this didn't work so we'll do something different now or but i just i love grand spontanean so it just was kind of weird to hear this like kind of pop diversion from them from the next couple records so i mean yeah i don't know i don't know what it's gonna look like but i'm sure it'll it'll still be there
4: I'm wondering, um, being a, a creator yourself, what is that interplay like? Like you're in the studio, uh, you're a filmmaker, but you obviously have experience doing audio production at some level and you're familiar with DAWs and other things that they are using. Um, was there a little bit of artist to artist kind of thing going on?
0: To some extent, I mean, especially talking to them about, you know, like Chris has a bit where he talks about, uh how these listen to the same loop of just the kick drum for like 10 minutes straight, <laughs> like just like making little tweaks to it. And that's certainly something, you know, I do in in the post process with a film is like watch a clip over and over again, listen for like a weird, I'm hearing like a weird tick, what is that? You know, like trying to figure out what that, that sound anomaly is or trying to see, you know, how does this look? Like, is this cut smooth? Does it feel like there's a, a hitch somewhere, you know? And just watching that over and over and over again. Um, So there were definitely some parallels for what they do and what we do. Um, Really, uh, for me, it's like, I try to be as, like, not noticed as possible when I'm doing a documentary, because I don't want to influence what's happening around me. So I try to be as much of a fly on the wall, hide in a corner, get out of the way, make sure I'm not, you know too much in in the way of what they're trying to do and not taking up their time because these bands are paying to use the studio right so i don't want to like uh cause a delay in what they're trying to get done um so yeah i mean there's there were some especially with the engineers uh with the musicians slightly less i don't i don't really play an instrument so i don't have that connection i always wanted to i just was never good enough to do it so (laughs) Well, um, Jesse, a... you look like you were puzzled by something I said earlier. So
2: I think I think it was just I think that i'm I'm right near the end of my beer okay. and uh, and like it was kind of that little swag. at the bottom that doesn't taste good. and I had like a look on my face like the oh,
4: no, I don't think that's what it was. I was puzzled. What was it? It was he was not very happy about a shift toward pop rock. Oh. oh, you had right. a little, you had a visceral reaction. You had a little bit, you like leaned back in your chair.
2: <laughs> Dang. See, I didn't even know. Oh, yeah, we all know. It, th- it made me think of Shades <laughs> Apart for sure. Hmm.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Okay. I, I was texting Mark V today, actually. They're going to be coming on. I was texting Mark, I was texting him today all right jesse we'll talk more about that that later. <laughs> was
2: totally the exact shift that uh that i felt like happened with the shades apart there but that's not the point we will we'll get into that but also yes i'm at the end of my beer and it, it doesn't i'm gonna take the last sip even though i know it's not gonna quite taste right <laughs> but okay so we're all obviously super excited uh for this film to come out we'll we'll see it for sure um however it's been a bit delayed. COVID has certainly affected it. But what's the timeline going to
0: be like for, for getting this out? Well, we, the, the goal was to get it out near the end of this year. So holidays, like October, November, hopefully. Um, with the uh, just, again, like the that was an optimistic timeline, hoping like we can get vaccines or we can start traveling safely. And all of that seems to be farther and farther down the road. So we might end up, unfortunately, needing to push to like early 2022 instead. Um, it's just, I mean, you know, we're we're so far behind what we were supposed to be. We were supposed to be done shooting everything by August of last year. So yeah, it's yeah. like we're way, way, way out from that at this point. What the what might that? We, oh yeah, oh, go. go for it, please. I was going to say the good news is we've got another handful of interviews locally that we've picked up to shoot. And we realistically have enough content to make a movie. I just don't know that it would be the best movie it could be without a few other things in there. So uh, we do kind of want to do it justice and do it right. We're not really in a rush. We don't have any deadlines or anything we have to hit. So it's just, you know, we're going to just keep working and making, making the best movie we can with it. So. What would um, what, what's the plan for how you might roll it out? So historically, what we've done is um, the festival circuit, uh, try to get noticed there, because that's how you get a good d- distribution deal is is through a festival uh, pickup somewhere. And then if that doesn't work, we'll look into some digital distribution. Obviously, um, the guys in Filmage have did that with Filmage with Amazon. And so we've got that connection we can work with. Uh, a good buddy of mine was in a documentary called Print the Legend. And those guys, they played South by Southwest opening night and won the editing and storytelling award and got picked up by Netflix that week, uh, for an exclusive deal. So we're talking to those guys to see what, what can we do to kind of position ourselves hopefully so that we get noticed somewhere. Um, cause it's hard. I mean, when you look at any of the streaming services, they've got tons and tons of documentary content and there's no shortage of it. So how do you, you know, rise above what it, the rest of the noise, um, And it's hard. I mean, the hope is that we've got a baked-in fan base. We've got bands that a lot of people like that that'll have some kind of appeal for that. Um, But since I have yet to make any money on any of my movies, I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) This is
3: going to be the ones. I hope so.
2: Sounds like you also have that in common uh, with uh, most bands (laughs) that get to do this and they continue to do it because they love it, not because there's much money in it. Staying true to the
3: punk rock fashion.
0: Yeah, there we go. Well, that's I mean, this this movie's very DIY and in that same ethos of, you know, we're just kind of getting together and making it happen however we can. So it's been it's been good. I mean, this is I do enjoy doing it or I wouldn't be doing it still. So. Right, 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 right. Well, we are more than looking forward to it.
4: And I feel like the more I've tried to find out about the film. The more I've been like, come on, like, mm-hmm. like, come on, like, release like an interview, like, like, give us like one of the big snippets, right? The trailer's uh, a pretty good teaser, the though. The trailer is like, well, that's the yeah. problem.
2: <laughs> oh, you feel too well, yeah, I get like more. a few
4: seconds of like, you know, I get what, fourteen seconds of Bill Stevenson, and you're like, ah, <laughs> <"Argh." laughs> you filmed them for an hour, right? Like, come
0: on, yeah. <laughs> no, we do need to. Um, I did have a few clips primed and ready. To, to release honestly the the crazy shit that happened at the beginning of the year just through a lot of our I was like do I really want to put this out right now and there's like really important shit in the world going on like maybe we should wait until things are a little less crazy and then my the way my brain is right now with the the way this last year has been it's like I will I will say, oh, I'll do this in a couple of days. And then three weeks later, I'm like, oh, I said I was going to do that three weeks ago. Like, I just oh, have God. no concept of time anymore. A couple,
2: a couple of days and three weeks, same thing. Yeah, it's like, you know.
0: Yeah.
4: It's but, almost like you, Jesse, saying everything is twice as long ago.
2: Oh, my gosh. Like, I was going to that, I was going to see that show in San Francisco just like five, ten years ago. Jesse, that was 20 years ago. <laughs>
4: Yeah, it's wild. Um, I, another thing I've noticed that I, I I wonder if it's affecting the thought, thinking at all, um, because everyone had to lock down, uh, it feels like, and, and based on just like little pieces of glimpses on social media and stuff, I think this might be like a record year for bands putting music out because there was so much time where they couldn't tour, shows weren't happening, a lot of people wrote and recorded Uh, wrote and recorded records um and a lot of the bands that i know are kind of connected to the studio have music that either has just come out or is going to be coming out Uh, whether they recorded at the studio for that or not um it seems like there's a lot and i i i just wonder like it feels like there is a little bit of resurgence happening in the scene and that can only be good for the film
0: yeah definitely and i do think that's true from what i've seen there's a lot there, it feels like there's a lot coming out and a lot being recorded and, you know, you might as well if you can't. I mean, that's kind of what we looked at when we had to stop production. We said, okay, well, let's, let's work with Bill to get contacts for all these bands so we can start at least reaching out and getting interest and trying to plan for when we can sit down with them because they're not doing anything else right now, you know, everybody was just kind of stuck at home for a long time. Um, And then it just kept dragging out and dragging out to the point where I'm like, oh, we called these people way too early. They're going to forget about us by the time we (laughs) circle back to actually (laughs) needing to shoot these or they're all going to be hitting the road to start touring again as soon as we can travel too. And it's, it's just going to be hard to pick up those, but hopefully we can get it all sorted out. Um, But I know like for this year, they've got a lot of, a lot of bands coming out to do full length records in 2021 because they just, yeah, they've been writing music and they got to get it out there now. So it seems like we're going to see, we saw a lot of music last year and we'll probably continue to see a lot of music for the next couple of years.
2: Yeah. Mike's been saying that, that he thinks that more music is going to be released in, in 2021. Like once that vaccine is out, then like ever.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think the touring is going to be ferocious once it does open up. It's they need it. I mean, a lot of these bands that that's where they make money is, is touring. And so, um, it could be really, really wild. Hey, Aaron, I, we want to thank you so much for your time. I, I also have one last question. Um, I saw a guy today. I was at a park here in San Diego. <laughs> I got to tell him the story. I was at a park here in San Diego today, and a guy came by on a beach cruiser with his wife, and I yelled at him,
2: which kind of startled him a little bit. Well, you didn't say what the guy was wearing.
4: Oh, oh yeah, and he was wearing uh, a cool to be uh, a descendant shirt. And I yelled at him. I said, Hey, man, I'm interviewing the director of the Blasting Room film tonight on my podcast. And he's like, What's the name of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> like, we're like yelling at each other across the park. I was the punk tree. He's like, I'm going to listen tonight. That's awesome. um, so it, it, it's it, like that's, that's super fun, mm-hmm. I, I think, for those fans. And this is a dude who he looked like he was probably close to 50 with a pot belly. <laughs> You know, and his <laughs> descendant shirt was a, like a schmedium, actual size <laughs> extra large, but it was, looked like a schmedium. Um, for all of us, you know, us punchy punk rock fans out here, um, when we hear about the blasting room film, what is it that we we should be looking forward to?
0: Uh, you should be should be looking forward to a a studio documentary that is not like a studio doc you've seen before. We're we're trying to do something really, a little different than what you you typically see out of these, and I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty cool. I'm really excited about where it's going and and what we have, and hopefully the the impact it will have on not just the punk scene but the music scene as a, as a whole. So
2: sold, we're in. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we'll take front seat uh, tickets to the premiere.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, when there is a premiere.
0: Yeah, that's something too. I'm I'm kind of like waiting because I wanna I want it to come out when people can see it in a theater and like yeah. a full theater. Like that's kind of that experience. I've I've been to premieres and and festival screenings of our other films, but not when it's been like this is like you know my movie, whatever that means. And so it, it would be really nice to actually see it in a theater with a lot of people. So
4: absolutely, and I I hope we stay in touch because we'd love to come. We'd love to be a part of of a screening somewhere in some way. Yeah, definitely. We'll host uh, one, or even hosting, we could help put one on um, down in Southern California screening or something. If if that was a if that was a play, it'd be really
0: fun. Yeah, definitely. We're gonna. I know we're we're trying to do a um like a sneak preview in Fort Collins at the the Lyric Cinema Cafe there, so hopefully we can pull all that together. Hopefully it's still open. I don't know if they survived the <laughs> pandemic situation, but ho- if they did, we're gonna try to do something with that. So fantastic, man.
4: Well, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming yeah, on we thanks. appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. It's and, a lot of fun.
4: And thank you for shining a light on on some of our absolute favorite people, artists and stories that not not just for us but people who have created art that has made people's lives a lot better. Um, and so helping bring that up to the surface is, is amazing.
0: Yeah, it's something I, I really like that's why I like doing this is it's, music has impacted me in such a positive way. It feels like they're right first feature for me to do something focused on the music that that has improved my life hopefully this story can you know help some other people or even if they're just like oh i should check out that band and that makes their life better that's it makes it worth doing it so all right man well thank you so much well yeah thank you guys
1: Got it. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.